All right, today on the Sound Iron Podcast, we are going to talk about stuff we like. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome. We're going to talk about Charlie Clauser and the new Saw movie. We're going to talk about theater organs. Uh, we're going to talk about people selling gear and swapping it for software. We're going to talk about new hardware. We're all over the place today. Craig, are you ready? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Slow it down. You better get real excited. How many just slow it down there, bud? <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, speaking of Matthew McConaughey, he just went on the Smartless <laughs> podcast. Dude, it was so funny. I'm going to have to send you the clip, but they they basically had technical difficulties the first time that he he tried to go on the podcast, and oh, they yeah. just like sat around for 30 minutes, and Jason Bateman just got super frustrated and rage quit at the end of it, and Matthew McConaughey just starts dying laughing at him, just like laughing so hard. It's gold it's like comedy gold like did he like he actually flipped out and left or was he like yeah. jokingly no 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 he was like i'm in a tailspin and he just he hung up jason Bateman, that's the ozark guy right yeah oh damn it's very funny um but i gotta let, watch it let's go ahead and start with three questions to get unstuck so mm. this says three questions to get unstuck and start making progress are you frustrated, procrastinating, stuck? You've scrolled through all the timelines, checked your email 10 times, and now what? You don't feel like working. This is a common state of mind. Fortunately, there are ways to escape feeling stuck, and one of them is a brief moment of reflection. So here are the questions you have to ask. What haven't I done yet and why? This simple question helps you clear your mind and capture unfinished business. Most of us walk around with a lot of unresolved tasks on our mind, like I need to buy new coffee beans. I should respond to that email. I need to message Ben. All of this mental clutter piles up. If you ask yourself, what haven't I done yet? And write down a list. This is a battle tested way to capture that unfinished business so you can deal with it deliberately. Once you write it down, you can choose to go into greater detail by asking why. Asking why you haven't done something is useful for those harder to do's. And so he gives an example. He says, what haven't I done yet? Worked on this presentation. Why? I don't know where to start. It doesn't feel urgent. I want it to be awesome, but I don't feel good about the slides I made. So a big part of it is just feeling overwhelmed. And instead of starting anywhere, you just don't start at all. Yeah, just get paralyzed. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the next question is, what's stopping me from doing this? And so we'll take a goal like, I want to exercise. What's stopping me from doing this? I don't have a gym membership. I don't have a routine. Don't know what to do. I don't feel motivated. Once you write these down, you can usually figure out how to address the obstacles. And then the third question is, what is making me feel frustrated or discontent? And here are some examples of small things that can cause frustration on a daily basis. A cluttered room, a broken bathroom lock, a full email inbox. And he says, like, if you take five minutes and try to clean up a space, it can really assist you in feeling less frustrated. So I don't know if you struggle with uh, procrastination, but I really like the first question the best. Uh, what haven't I done yet and why? And just writing down the things you haven't done yet, it helps kind of present you a clear picture of where to start. Yeah, I, I think for certain things, like I think for me, the reason a lot of times I would procrastinate on certain stuff, even like, oh, like, oh, I should practice guitar or like, oh, I should, uh, you know, work out more or something. It's it's usually it's just a matter of forming some kind of routine. I yeah. feel like for me, that's like the best way to like be consistent with stuff is to have some kind of like routine to where it's like, this is just what I do. Totally. It's like when, when that, when that breaks, it's almost kind of like hard to get back in. So it's like, you have to just develop that kind of like, okay, like every day I'm at this time or something, I'm going to do this thing. It makes it a lot easier to stay consistent with that when it's just kind of like, oh, like I should just on a whim do this. It's like, mm, it, it almost has to like serve a purpose. Like, why am I doing this? What's it for? If I'm just like mindlessly doing this, I'm probably not really practicing anyway or something, you know? Yeah. A lot of the times when I do like my workouts, I will listen to a podcast that is health related. So I'll listen to Huberman or uh, Peter Atia or like guys who are talking about like longevity and living a, a healthy lifestyle. And that sets the context for why I'm working out. Mm hmm. Yeah, rather, that's good. Rather than just like, oh, I want to have this aesthetic or whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's because it, it's good to have that mental, you know, knowledge that you're learning while you're doing something physical. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I like usually whenever I would do uh, cardio or something, that's usually the time I would like listen to music. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it, it could be anything from like if I'm like, all right, I need a little bit of a kick in the pants, you know, listen to some metal or something. But a lot of times I would listen to orchestral music just to like just like really trying to just listen and listen for certain parts of the orchestra, what they're doing, how the music's interacting and the different orchestral sections are interacting together just to just to kind of like analyze it a little bit. So if it's like something that musically I'm I'm trying to work on or or get better at, I'll try to use that is sort of like while I'm doing a physical thing, I'm trying to learn or or break something down for my own benefit kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, the the listening to the podcast and stuff is good too, especially because like if they're talking about health stuff that is tied into what you're doing with working out, I think, you know, cause there's so many aspects to uh, health you know, yeah. than just throwing around a bunch of heavy weights or something. It's like, I have a, a friend who he's been getting into working out f- for a while and he, he's very like easy for him to st- to get in patterns, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I was kind of tell him like, dude, you like, you got to switch stuff up because your, your body is way smarter than you <laughs> and you have to like trick it, you know? Like if you just do the same thing and you're not really trying to like either up your weight or do things to switch it up, you know, like instead of just always doing, oh, I always got to do this chest exercise. Yeah, you get stuck in a rut. Yeah, and you don't really see the the progression. Same thing with food. You know, if you're dieting and stuff, like you got to switch stuff up and or not just eat the same thing all the time. So that is ways to get unstuck. If you are stuck and you're in a procrastination loop, you can write some stuff down. What is keeping me from progressing and why have I not made progress? And uh, I like breaking it down into smaller pieces like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. The next thing is new toys. Have you seen the Native Instruments Control S-Series MK3? I have. I actually got uh, got a chance to play around with it when we were at NAM last year when we were Oh, okay. Hang, hang, we we're hanging out with the NI guys, you know, just with the with catch, the German fellas, with the German fellas catching up, seeing seeing what some new cool things that they got going on, and uh, yeah, it's got the the poly aftertouch, and yeah. the 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 really cool thing is like I have been using this S sixty one for years now, and I I really like it. Like the only thing is like I'm not a big user of complete control. Uh-huh. As far as like like actually opening that up, like usually it's always contact. So right. the fact that now it talks to contact instead of needing it to talk to complete control, I think is really cool. And I think a lot more people are going to utilize those features now. I agree. Because it's, I think most people are just used to loading up contact. Yeah, you know? I think that was the biggest complaint I saw about the previous keyboards is like, I know when Manchester Music got his on his channel, he was like, I didn't realize I have to use this completely separate software mm-hmm. in order to run the keyboard. And like, I can open contact inside complete control, but it's just not the same and it's tedious. And um, I totally get that take. I really like complete control for like browsing presets and all the preview functionality and stuff like that. But uh, it's not like workflow. It, does, it doesn't fit the workflow very easily. You kind of have to force it in there. Yeah, one thing I do like with the new one now is that the is it the is it CC11 the the slider uh, expression now that yeah the expression one like now that's above the mod wheel and pitch bend okay which is yeah, nice because dude I I bumped that thing so many times and <laughs> if you have something that's connected to that let's say like like volume or whatever or yeah. expression and you just boop and you're like wait where is it oh and you gotta like sh- slide it back up <laughs> my sound is wrong. Honestly, I, I wish there was a way that you can actually have that as like a because you know like the like where the pitch bend is. Yeah, it'd be cool if if they actually had it where it was like three sliders or maybe like one pitch bend and then two uh, vertical sliders for oh, okay. doing because you know how when people are doing like modulation and expression, like it'd be cool to actually have that like side by side because I, I I do still feel it's a little weird using that horizontal digital slider versus the the mod wheel actual wheel yeah so you would prefer like some faders yeah like i think honestly i think that would be cool i I might have even brought that up to him but they're like oh you know one step at a time buddy (laughs) yeah oh they're like yeah whoa whoa 
Yeah, or 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 making their own fader box or something that goes that yeah. works with the complete controller. Yeah, but yeah, because that's the only thing. Like I like the the fader stuff, but then like buying another separate fader thing and like placing it on my desk. It's like I don't want to have too too much stuff. But who knows? Might bite the bullet on one someday. But yeah, I really liked it. I, I like the the changes that they're doing. It's got the bigger screen, and you know, just the the main thing of it being able to talk to contact. I think is a, a huge. A huge thing and i think yeah i think more people are going to take advantage of that making those fat beats fat old beats so last week you sent me the nathan barr fox wurlitzer organ and this dude nathan barr i'm a big fan of his music um mm-hmm. maybe because we share a name i don't know uh we have very similar names you're both but, nathan bees exactly uh but he built a whole scoring stage just for this theater organ. It's and insane. He, it's amazing. So he yeah. bought this uh, one of the last Wurlitzer theater organs from Fox, like 20th Century Fox, the Fox. Mm-hmm. Might have heard of him. Yeah, you, know, you might have heard of him. And <laughs> it had to just all go into boxes in uh, in storage. So, yeah. And then he finally got to like build out the studio. And it's called Bandrica Studios. It's in Tarzana, California. I'm sure you could go just check it out. It's 8,500 square feet. And it's constructed around this 1928 Wurlitzer Theater organ. And mm-hmm. that lived on the mm-hmm. uh, Newman scoring stage from 1928 to 1998. So it is uh, a very famous organ. can be heard in dozens of classic film scores, including The Sound of Music, The Day the Earth Stood Still, The Witches of Eastwick, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and more. It has 1,366 pipes. It's got real percussion instruments. If you haven't seen this in action, you should definitely go to YouTube and search Bar Fox Theater Organ. And there are several videos uh, of him showing it off as, as he should. But he had a four-year restoration, and they like replaced broken parts and made it into a fully working organ. And now people like Danny Elfman come and rent it out. Yeah, I mean, like that's dedication to an instrument. Yeah, like, I'm gonna build a whole studio around this thing, and it's like when you walk in or when you see the videos. I would love to check it out someday. Uh-huh. But uh, like you know, this thing is just like right in the middle. And he records in there too. He records orchestral players. He has uh, a control room right next to it. Like it's a awesome studio, just full of cool instruments. And he's a big lover of instruments. Like I remember seeing in an interview, he's like, "Before I start a project, I always like to to buy something new," which <laughs> right. is is smart. You know, it's mm-hmm. a nice way to avoid procrastination. You know, you want to buy something at least it's for a gig kind of thing. Yeah, and you kind of like uh, match the gig with the new instrument or with the new toy. So like forever, you know, that that one specific percussion instrument is part of a Saw movie or whatever. Yeah, it's like the the big sonic voice of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to one of his scores. It's like the, the house, what is uh, it? the house with clocks in the walls or something like that. Yeah, I just had it pulled and, up. Yeah, and it, it uses that organ a lot. And uh yeah, the Danny Elfman, I think he used it in the Grinch soundtrack. Yeah. And it's just like, if you're going to go for that sound, why not have the thing that people have heard for countless other soundtracks and stuff? And because it, it's it's the real deal. So, I mean, you can probably get by with samples, but I mean, just having the, you know, having an instrument like that with such a legacy, especially in, in film scores, it's like, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I just want to go in there and just tinker on it, just play it around. I mean, I don't have 8,500 8, square feet to to put a pipe organ, but yeah, just slam all the stops and just, bah, <laughs> just hear the hear the room rumble. Like, that'd, oh yeah, that'd probably be so fun. So it's a fifteen hundred square foot recording stage. It can accommodate fifty to sixty musicians inside. The restoration process took four years and likely cost in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you if you can pull that off, I say go for it. But I'm just like, man, that that must have must have been tough. Just having all that in storage for a while before being able to build it. Like, man, like I want to build this thing already and put it together. Like, it's like having like this huge cool instrument. 
Yeah, and the way that it works is it has like all of these real percussion instruments. So when you like play a key, it will trigger a marimba like strike or mm -hmm. chimes or whatever. Like uh, it's almost like a robot arm playing yeah. these things. Yeah, I was wondering. I wonder if that is designed to read to read MIDI or anything. I can't like if there would be a way. Is. But yeah. yeah, maybe like uh, you could reverse engineer something. Yeah, it's like you know when you see those those pianos that input MIDI, but it's a real piano. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Player that, pianos. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. Just like program some kind of like MIDI and then be able to run it through and like have it perform or something. I mean, unless you just get someone who knows how to use it. But yeah, that's a that's more than my pay grade. I wouldn't be able to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this also says the instrument was played for Jerry Goldsmith's Star Trek and John Williams' Home Alone scores. I did not know that. All right, that's all about Nathan Barr. Yeah, I was watching. I was watching a video where he was uh, he was using the the Wurlitzer with a violinist for the intro for the Carnival Row. Oh yeah, where he was like he was like performing, and then the violinist was playing on top. It was pretty cool. That's sick. We're gonna talk about getting rid of toys now. So Tycho is a uh, producer, DJ, uh, music maker. And he has a $160,000 studio collection that he is selling. So mm. we've talked about something similar with Junkie XL on this podcast, but Tycho has a dangerous lust for vintage and extravagant music equipment. But the esteemed electronica producer is being bold. He's listing over 100 pieces of his studio on Reverb.com. Is he retiring from music making? Of course not. He just wants to give these coveted artifacts a better home. He said, I started to get this weird sense of guilt. Like I'm sitting here on this amazing thing that someone else could use and do something awesome with. And instead it's sitting in a closet collecting dust. Um, so we're talking about Korg Trident, Sequential Prophet 5, Moog Voyager, uh, tons of preamps, big and little things, all electronic goodies. Mm -hmm. And um, he says... There's just so many options, and I'm definitely a plug-in junkie. My gear lust has switched from hardware to software. I've used a lot of software in the past. It's not like I just started using software instruments, but I use way more software than hardware at this point. And he talks about the Big Sky uh, plug-in versus the pedal. And he's like, mm -hmm. the plug-in is so much more versatile because you can apply it afterward. It's not printed. It's not locked in. You know, You can tweak and change things at a later date yeah plus you can run x amount of instances on whatever right. you want versus having one because i've experimented with doing stuff like that like using my uh, uh my horizon devices pedal. Yeah. yeah like the flex echo like running that you know because like oh that's cool it's like you know using actual pedals on on stuff but then you gotta you know that you can't just recall anything you're, when, you're, when you're dealing with yeah so it's like unless you have some kind of software that actually can allow you to recall on hardware or something like that. You know, yeah, just like the versatility of having the the plug-in version of it and it sounds really good. Like we've we've done some some videos on our channel using some of our instruments with it. Yeah, it sounds great. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a great reverb plugin. When I was making the quadril stuff, I ran it through the pedal board and I liked getting stuck like locking in a sound and not having recall and like when i was making all the quadril sounds i didn't save any sessions mm -hmm. like i just whatever came out as like the final audio form that's the only artifact or like remnant of that work like there's no reaper sessions there's no i didn't take a picture of like pedal settings or anything it's i can't ever mm -hmm. <laughs> reproduce those sounds yeah i i probably i probably would I would probably be trying to take pictures of, especially if you're like, man, this is really cool. Like if I ever want to try to recreate that, but I guess there's, there's something, something about just not and just being in the moment, like right. whatever sounds cool and going with it and then keeping the magic running. The next thing I want to talk about is bad snacks. And she is a uh, violinist and producer and YouTuber. And um, I like her channel a lot. She, she works in Ableton plays a lot of synths. Um, she tours with Anomaly, which is like one of my favorite uh, artists. He's like an instrumental keyboardist, um, just crazy, crazy good. 
performer and uh he's like a wizard in ableton oh, yeah. um Baznax came out with a video called how i fight imposter syndrome and she talks about how she was teaching at berkeley earlier this year and doing a lot of things that she would have never dreamed about in a in a music career and she talks about how the job is kind of subjective and kind of made up like it's a fictional entity uh yeah. being a musician and so like you really can't spend a lot of time caring what other people think because it's so subjective like everyone has their own opinion on what sounds good what sounds bad what what's a good genre what's a good way to do things and similar to food like everyone has an opinion on what the best mac and cheese is you know oh, yeah it, there's no there's no like one perfect correct answer but uh one of the things that she talked about in her coping strategy section is instead of like being hard on yourself and like having super negative self-talk you should treat yourself like you would treat a friend so mm -hmm. if if someone like if one of your friends came up to you and they were like hey yeah i've got this audition that i'm really nervous about and i'm just not sure i'm ready and uh i'm just feeling uncomfortable like I, i'm not uh not in a good place you wouldn't be like yeah you suck and you should feel uncomfortable because you're just bad and you're not actually made for this industry. Like you should just quit while you're, while you're here before you like make a fool of yourself. You wouldn't talk to your friend like that. You do talk to yourself like that sometimes. And um, so if you can kind of get into that, that more friendly, uh, competent voice, it's, uh, it's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that's good advice. Yeah. I think, I think it's easier for people to, to talk crap on themselves right because it's like you know yourself you know what your what your weaknesses are you know things that you're good at or maybe what you think you're good at or what you hope you think you're good at you know <laughs> and, and it's like it's it's easy yeah it's easy to be down on yourself because you you hear and I've, i think i've heard someone say this before that like a lot of the negative self-talk that you hear is like something you've probably heard told to you maybe growing up and it's just like those lingering voices that just tend to come back like you're not good enough or sure. these these people are better than you so why even try yeah you know like i've i've experienced that and it's it's tough i still continue that you know especially being you know in this in this job or or just you know as someone who's put myself out there either playing live or making videos it's very easy to have that should I do this? Like, like what if, what if everyone <laughs> thinks I suck? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. and it's, and, and like you said, it's, it's, it's subjective. Like what you do is you know, like, that's you. Like if you're trying to be someone else, more than likely you're, you're going to struggle or, or feel like you're not good enough because it's like, well, you know, you can look at people for inspiration, but then try to, it's just like making music. Mm -hmm. like, like if you're like, I'll, I'll never write music as good as, this totally. person or whatever it's like you're you're not going to write music that's probably as good as them like maybe you'll get close but maybe you'll find some new thing that you can add to your voice right and and that's the way you kind of need to see it like you need to be inspired to make yourself the best version of what you want to be because yeah, yeah if you if you try to live in that sort of like you know this person has x amount of followers and i don't have this like i, I must suck like there must be something like you can't just carbon copy someone's path. It's yeah. just not the way it works. Well, know? I remember like my guitar teacher in middle school, he, uh, I, I think I said something cocky to him like, well, I'm the best guitar player I know that of my age. And he looked mm -hmm. at me and he was like, there will always be someone way better than you at guitar. Like there, there will always, you'll never be the best in the world. And he wasn't like trying to diss me, but he was saying like, now what so now that you know that you're not the best you're not even in the top 100 are you still going to play guitar because it's not about mm -hmm. being the best quote-unquote guitarist like it's about enjoying yourself and making music yeah i i think what makes what makes someone like not not necessarily the best but like what like the best of themselves is like when you have an idea in your head and you can pull it off mm -hmm. then it's like that's for you like like when you don't have any kind of physical limitations when it comes to unleashing your own creativity yeah 
like that's that was my goal when I was growing up. I mean, because like I always looked at like the people who were, you know, crazy shredders or just like really good, you know, tech technique wise. But then I would also, you know, anything I heard that I thought sounded cool, like I would try to learn it, like whether it's like flamenco or classical yeah. guitar or any kind of like the shoulder shrapnel guitarists like Jason Becker and like the shredder guys. Because I was just like, man, that looks and sounds so cool. Like, I wish I could be able to pull that off. I mean, because my first goal was just, I just wanted to learn how to play Master Puppets by Metallica. Like, I was like, <laughs> if, I, if I can do that, I'm good. Right. But then, but then you do it and it's like, oh, well, what if I can do this? Or you know, it's like, it, it gives you that motivation to, to keep pushing and, and trying new stuff. But uh-huh. like, to me, I think that's, that's when you're like at the best for your, for yourself is when you don't have any limitations. Yeah. Nothing's yeah, in your way. Yeah, you know, and that's why I was I was like trying to learn different techniques and stuff like that because it's like I didn't want to whenever I tried to join a band have them like all right so this is the part and I'm like I can't I can't do that yeah you know, that that was the thing and and there's plenty of stuff I can't play totally guitar so. guitar players out there these days like you'll see a bunch of stuff on social media doing all this crazy like. Andy McKee on steroids, uh-huh. you know, like boom, like all this weird, like, and that to me is almost like harder than learning electric sweet guitar or shreds. Yeah, like yeah. that's way harder because especially playing on a on a steel string guitar and doing slides and tapping, like it's very easy to hear something wrong. <laughs> yeah, or 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 it's you have to be way more on it. You know, you can get away with a little bit of distortion and delay and reverb or you know things like that, but. Yeah, for me, I just, yeah, I just never wanted to have limitations. And I think you're never going to be the best, right? Like, you'll probably get to a point where you're pretty good at something, you know, but you're always going to see somebody, especially now, or, you know, like with YouTube, like when YouTube popped up years ago and you see some little five-year-old kid just, (laughs) just ripping it, you're like, wow. So it's like, yeah, like being the best, like, yeah, that might get you so far, but might not make you the happiest mentally because you will fall into imposter syndrome when you see all these gnarly players you know, yeah. it's like then that's when it's just like all right but trying to be the best that's that's not the goal i just want to be able to like see myself playing what i want to play like uh steve i used to talk about how he used to imagine himself like playing guitar he'd close his eyes and his hands are moving all over the place and he's like using the whammy bar and all this crazy sound is coming out and he visualized it like that was one of the things he was talking about. Like, if you can visualize yourself doing something, then you mm-hmm. can do it. If you can't, then probably won't be able to do it. <laughs> right. The The other point she made about coping strategies is asking yourself, so what or now what? And so that the example there is you bomb an audition or you go out on stage and you perform horribly and it's just a disaster. Like you bomb like a comedian doing their first set. Mm-hmm. Now what? It's not the end of the world. Nothing actually horribly memorable happened um, unless you set the place on fire or something crazy. But like mm-hmm. everything is fine. And like if you zoom out instead of like zooming in on the the granular failure of the event, like mm-hmm. if you zoom out, it's it's literally nothing. You know, like if you're in outer space looking at the earth, mm-hmm. it's not, not important. Yeah. It's fine to, you know, like, like when you hear a lot of people say like, I failed more times than uh-huh. you know, that sort of thing. And it's usually true. It's just a lot of people don't want to do it in public. <laughs> right. You know, in front of like, like, like there's like, there's times, uh, you know, playing live, like I go to like, I think the last show we played, I was like walking backwards. I kind of like stepped on my cable, like, Ooh, like <laughs> almost like kind of lost my balance. And I was thinking like, Oh, you idiot. Like, <laughs> but it's like, it. Yeah, but it's like, you know, I was just thinking like, man, I need to get a wireless. <laughs> right, right. But but yeah, it's like, you know, am I going to like for the rest of the show focus on how I almost like kind of lost my balance or something like like whatever, like just you got to have fun with it and just be in the moment. Like it's easy to let all those things get to you. I think I usually tend to worry more before. Sure. But then once the day comes and you're you're going to be let's say performing and you don't really perform a lot or something, I almost don't get very stressed out because it's like, I don't have a choice. There's no yeah. backing out, buddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's easy. Everything leading up to be like, Oh God, it's just going to, you know, but you just got to get out of your own way. Don't overthink it. Just go, go do the thing. And then, uh, you can think later. Yeah. And if, you know, and if you bomb, 
you you forget that that riff or go into a section wrong or something just remember it for next time that's what i always try to do like any any little things that i would ever encounter that are like oh that was stupid or i messed that up yeah just like next time it's like i i practice double for that or right. triple just to, to make sure me- like i won't mess yeah. up there again yeah yeah so it's like you you have to fail to know to not do it again mm-hmm. it's just that's the thing just don't you know don't burn yourself on the stove multiple times just realize <laughs> It's not a it's not a smart idea. Don't touch it while it's hot. The show must go on. Yep. So recently we released two interesting libraries. We released Citarian and Cyborg Bytes. And uh, I will talk about Cyborg Bytes real quick because I made it. Uh, Cyborg Bytes is a bunch of electro percussion. It's like futuristic, glitchy uh, percussion, percussive kits. And uh, so it's 10 drum kits and 10 ambiences, and it's the newest of our iron packs. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a small library, so it's kind of a bite-sized, good for a good time, $5 at the moment, uh, jam sesh. So that is- Bite-sized, pun intended. Pun always intended with libraries like this. (laughs) Uh, So that is Cyborg Bites. And we have a little robot DJ. His name is Minim. And uh, our very own Chris Marshall- designed him and uh hopefully he will appear in some other libraries as well just spinning spinning discs and making beats making those fat beats like we talked about earlier and then you could tell us about Citarian. yeah so Citarian is a really cool library it's an electric sitar that we did with chitrini nirupama i believe is her name and it's loaded with all the cool articulations you need to pull off a realistic sitar performance. And she has this custom built sitar that she had made for her. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And she's a great player. And there's over 3000 live performance phrases and they're super inspiring. Uh, the track I'm working on with it uses some of the phrases and some of the uh, playable articulations. There's these uh, different bands in different types of little ornamented articulations that are just you know that you can't quite pull off with just like a a, a sustain or a pluck so yes. being able to add those in is is really cool and it uses the uh it's the templates based off of the the what we use for x machina mm-hmm. so it's designed really well for stringed instruments and with some some modifications because it has the the chikari and the sympathetic strings so you can utilize those with those other ornamented articulations or the regular plucks and she sampled every every note right there's yep. no yeah she literally sampled every note there's a bunch of round robin and and velocity layers so you can get some really really authentic sitar sounds with this and yeah this is cool now that we we finally have a, a sitar in the sound iron arsenal it's just growing collection of anything we can get our hands on yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like 21 gigs of sitar so it's a it's a very powerful large library but with the sympathetic strings and the chikari you can play like a low note and that will do a root or a root and fifth and it'll do a strum on the sitar like a low end strum and then you can drone with that while you play your melody let's uh, like plucks Um, so that's one way to use it. The other one that I actually ended up using more is the phrases in KI and that contains all 3000 of the phrases she played. I use B flat 80 BPM light in my composing video. And I just went through and found all of the phrases that I liked that I thought were interesting. Then I kind of just moved them around and placed them in order that I thought worked. And, um, it sounds like a real sitar player. Yeah, yeah, like because uh, you you took the MIDI and bounced it to audio, right? Yep. Like, what was the reason for that? Is there like a certain reason that you'll you'll tend to use phrases in that way? Or so when I bounce it to audio, I can crossfade different phrases together, or I can cut them off earlier. It's just a little bit easier to work with than the MIDI. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends. It depends how I'm using it. Like, I'll always keep the MIDI around in case I need to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As I've done that too with 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 some of our uh, tablets yep. phrases, where sometimes you might want to, yeah, like crossfade them a little bit more, have a little bit more control over that. So it's it's definitely cool to do. Plus, like, you you could just manipulate them a lot more. 
So that is it for Satarian. It's on sale right now for $79. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, have you heard of ADHD music? I have not, but it sounds like it would be like dubstep. It it's is... funny. I actually, I actually thought that there's this uh, electronic artist named Feed Me. Okay. I haven't heard of friend, that. friend of mine showed me it a long time ago because he's, he's into mastering and he has these crazy mastering speakers from like, I don't know, they're like boutique mastering speakers from like Germany or something. Okay. And he was all into this guy because the music is very like, like it sounds like the sounds are like right in front of you or swirling around and, and oh, stuff. Cool. And I think I even said, I was like, this sounds like music that someone with ADHD would make. Cause it's just like, <laughs> like, oh, it's like so it's always chaotic. changing. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, I wouldn't say it's like Skrillex. Skrillex is, I mean, I'm not that I'm a, a, a huge, no, like, or no, I know a lot about his, his types of music, but it's like that kind of like dubstep electronic style, but very just like all over the place. Right. And it almost sounds like that's the music that someone who has ADHD like would be hearing in their head or something. It's just like pretty wild. So this is the opposite. This is for focusing your ADHD and applying extreme focus. So the music, if you go on YouTube, it's like 10 hours of ADHD music for focus. And mm -hmm. it's the same beat for 10 hours. So you have like a four to eight bar loop of chords and a beat. It's like usually um, like muffled choir, some like synth pad, a very steady drum beat and that's kind of it some bass maybe but it's it's a very it's very simple it's very repetitive and it just puts you in a zone if you're struggling with adhd and you want to just focus while you're on the computer mm -hmm. so if you want to if you want to get into the new trend adhd music is a uh, good good place to make some music i think yeah i've never heard of that i mean i've heard of people listening to like chill lo-fi stuff for focus just because it's very not too much going on definitely yeah. not i mean not as repetitive you know because there's there'll be little variations and stuff but it's, it's cool i i've i've had that playing in the background sometimes but yeah i never heard of that adhd music I check it out just to see yeah see if it gets gets me in the zone <laughs> it's Auto uh zone. it's it's similar to chill hop for me like chill hop is a little bit more uh distracting i guess because it changes songs like there are different tunes and stuff that happen throughout the the album this is just like four on the floor kind of like kink like you know what's going to happen next very repetitive yeah. so so if you don't have adhd would it just piss you off uh, i'm sure after 10 hours i would be pissed yes yeah if you're like a, a fan of progressive music you'd just be like i can't i can't do this yeah like, exactly like four hours later start freaking, start freaking I out can't, i can't do it <laughs> um speaking of freaking out at intense music you had a cool experience recently getting to go to charlie klauser's studio mm -hmm. yeah i got to visit visit him in his home studio and talk about the new saw x movie that he composed the music for the guy's been holding it down music wise for all the saw movies since it saw one and it was cool just to get to see his studios super cool studio he has a lot of awesome gear he's got these crazy custom instruments that he's acquired over the years he was showing us his uh his new apprehension engine that he got That's and awesome. uh, the, the k-elastis the big crazy uh, contrapment made by uh by chess smith and he he was saying originally it was supposed to be used for a john williams concert but he said it sounded too scary and too evil so they never <laughs> used it and then it's just been sitting there so waiting for him yeah so he he acquired that i mean it's perfect for for saw movies i got some some footage of him using it you'll see it in the uh, in the studio interview that i did and uh, he was breaking down you know just like how he's been composing music over the years a little bit of when he you know talking about when he was in nine inch nails uh because i'm a i'm a big nine inch nails fan so it was cool just to chill with him and here's yeah. some here's some cool stories and you know how how they used to work back in the day and because it's crazy how technology is has come along like when you hear he was telling me some stories about you know how people used to try to like tune vocals and like had, literally having to go through like every syllable yeah. stuff like that and it's like now you just oh throw on this thing and auto tunes the whole thing it's like 
it's crazy how you know he's sort of been through like the genesis of music technology and and how he uses it and it's really cool and yeah, yeah he was bringing up a crazy career yeah and breaking down a couple cues showing how he's using some sound iron instruments in the in the new saw score so if if you're a fan of charlie clauser you already like watching composer interviews definitely check that one out on the youtube channel so what is an apprehension engine so it's this instrument that i believe mark corvin had this uh, instrument maker build for him and it's this box that's got like a some different pieces of metal dangling off of it it's also got this kind of hurdy-gurdy thing on there and it's got some contact mics in there and it's just this contrapment that's just built for creating all kinds of creepy sounds yeah and so you can like pluck it or bow it right yeah you can bow it pluck it with the hurdy-gurdy thing i think there's also some aspects of it that you can use with an e-bow mm, okay so it's just one of those contrapments to make some wild sounds especially if you know for horror stuff it's like uh in the in the studio with charlie he was talking about how certain parts of the saw movie he used the hurdy-gurdy to kind of conjure up that sawing sort of thing yeah. so i was like oh that that makes sense so yeah he was talking about how he uses that and yeah uh, like mark corvin i'm a big fan of him like that dude's just he, he knows how to bring out the horror <laughs> and I've seen I've seen some videos of him using his apprehension engine doing performances and yeah that thing's wild. I would love to get one, but uh, it's a uh, yeah drop some coin on that one. That is true. Maybe you could build your own. Yeah, yeah. Be like Venus Theory and build my own little mini apprehension engine. Uh, do you ever see that video where he? <laughs> He's like, that this and, sounds terrible. Yeah, but it but it sounds great. Um, okay, my last thing before we go to recommendations is where do all the broken guitars go? And this was a fascinating video from Reverb.com. They uh, they work with a company called Franklin Guitar Works. And anytime you see a refurbished guitar on Reverb, it is most likely from Franklin Guitar Works. Hmm. They get like 100 guitars in every day that are broken in some way and they try to export a hundred repaired guitars every day oh wow and um i love uh i love the concept of it because uh there's so many guitars and there's like b stock which is when something cosmetic has happened to the guitar mm -hmm. and the company like Fender says, well, we can't show that. That's not our work of art, beautiful guitar. So uh, that's now B stock and like someone else can sell that. And then there's refurbished and refurbished means a professional has come in and repaired it to basically brand new, but something happened to it before. So the most common thing that happens is uh, a headstock breaks off mm -hmm. and that can happen like, you slam it on stage or the UPS driver breaks it somehow uh, when they're delivering it in the cardboard box. Bastards. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, an airline worker throws it, you know. Oh, that's oh, the worst. But this company like tries to fix every guitar that comes in. If they can't fix it, then they will put it in the guitar cemetery of sorts and like do the pick and pull style thing that that like uh people do with cars where you mm -hmm. just like you're you take the pickups pick off exactly mm -hmm. you take the pickups off you take the tuners off you sell everything that you can from it and then they will turn the bodies into furniture of some sort oh wow um so like decorational like a wine glass holder or a, a book stop that kind of stuff. So uh, it was really interesting to see this company kind of work and like see the factory. Uh, you can imagine like they're not building any guitars, they're rebuilding guitars. So everything mm -hmm. is hand tools and it's like one-on-one, -on -one, um, a lot of like hands-on personal time with an instrument. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had some instances where my, my brother's dog jumped off the bed and knocked my guitar. I had a, an Oof. Ibanez RG two fifty DX. Okay, it's actually hanging up right over here. Still got it. Still got it. Yeah, but with the when the dog knocked it over, the headstock went Oof. and just cracked. 
like like right right below like 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 around like the second first and second fret on the back of the neck yeah. just snapped and luckily i was able to get it fixed you know they're able to like clamp it and glue it together and it's been fine but man that it's it sucks how easy it is for something like that to happen so be careful folks <laughs> yeah try to try to take good care of your instruments yeah unless you're on stage doing some wild stuff and you're just like you know what i'm endorsed i'll just throw okay. the just be like the bass player of nirvana and throw your bass in the air and just have it crack your skull open you know stuff wait like that. no don't do that yeah craig's giving yeah. bad ideas now yeah yeah time throw to, throw your, to, yeah shut it down time to wrap yeah, the podcast yeah turn your instruments into weapons folks <laughs> all right let's move to recommendations uh my recommendation to you sir is this podcast i've been listening to pretty religiously called tetragrammaton with rick rubin mm. and rick rubin wrote a book uh called creativity uh, the state of being or a state of being or something like that and um he's he's got this podcast now where he interviews the greats of a bunch of different industries so he had owen wilson on he had tom hanks on he had um, Trent Reznor on. He had several different musicians, uh, like marketing people. He just anybody who he thinks is interesting and he's like friendly with. He's just like, hey, come on the podcast. And they do like a Joe Rogan style long form interview. It's usually two or three hours of him just kind of hanging out and listening and asking good questions. So it's like if you want just like a very solid conversational style podcast, it is really really nice all about creativity nice yeah for me uh a couple things actually i recently acquired this thing the other day for oh, cleaning yeah. cleaning cleaning out my pc because i was watching videos on you know how to keep your computer healthy and cleaning it out and not letting it just get wildly dirty uh i, I forget the name of this one you're a you're a uh, computer surgeon now huh this is three in one air duster blower and vacuum. Got it on Amazon for like, I don't know, 20 bucks or something. But it this works. Thing is, this thing is awesome. It, it's a mini vacuum and also a, an air duster, and it's got different little attachments. And I had to go PC surgeon a little bit. When I was doing that, I was cleaning everything out, dusting it out, just, you know, because after a while, you got to you gotta do that. Yep. So, yeah, this little air duster, I, I, I should find the link and then we can, uh, put it in there if anyone's curious but yeah something like this is honestly like really good to have yeah you can use it on synths and guitars and all kinds of stuff yeah you know keyboards get dirty you know you just turn this thing on and it's, sat it's satisfying right yeah it's that yeah yeah especially when your computer starts to <laughs> cough need it yeah it starts to <laughs> come on man my other recommendation is a band called lawrence it's a brother and sister uh as the front people and then they have an eight piece band. So it's like uh, three brass instruments, drummer, all that stuff. And um, they make like funky fusion music and they're right. opening for the Jonas brothers right now. So they are uh, a lot of fun to watch. Very, very skilled players. Interesting. They're probably like 12 years old. No, some, some musical prodigies or uh, she's she's real young. He's probably 32 and she's 25 or something. Oh, OK. Well, that's cool. Lawrence kicking it with the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, I uh, recently came came up on some synergy amps synergy. and synergy synergize your sound. I don't know what their what their slogan is. It's probably something like that. But yeah, I recently came uh, came across that i'm going to be doing some uh some exploring with those cuz uh my the other guitar player in in deeds of flesh when we played the Milwaukee Metal Fest he got one of those cuz he he was like me he had like a Kemper and stuff like that he had like a Kemper floorboard but for him it felt a little cumbersome carrying all that stuff and yeah. they have these these modules that you can swap in and out they have uh, a rack which i have it allows you to plug in two different amps so you can have like a 6505 and like a bogner ubershawl or like a friedman like you can mix and match you know instead of having two giant heads that are heavy like if yeah. anyone who's played a lot of shows or i used to tour with like you know 412 and a head and rack stuff and like over time like 
it gets so tiring if you don't want to throw your back out yeah and because i mean with digital stuff you know it's a lot easier to travel with this type of gear but this thing like if you just want to have the like the one preamp like that's what he had and it the housing looks kind of like a big audio interface Mm -hmm. and I think it's the Sin One. That's what it's called. And that allows you to plug one in. And you literally don't even need a power amp. You could just run it through the power amp of a head just using the effects return. Yeah. So, yeah, he has his pedal board and that. And, and that thing sounded awesome. And I was just like, I got to get in contact with these people. So I'm excited to explore this and I'll probably be making some videos showing it. And yeah, it's yeah, it's really cool. And it sounds awesome. So I'm really excited to explore with that because especially for, you know, when you're, when you're doing shows or, you know, like more of what we do is usually we'll be playing festivals and things like that. Being able to travel with something that sounds like that. And it's got tubes in it too. It's okay. not just digital. So, and, uh, and Synergy works with these amp companies. So it's not like a, oh, this sounds pretty close, pretty close replicate. Like they're literally yeah. working with like PV an angle you know so you know it's it's going to sound legit so you know just the the traveling ability and and the sound and and all that if you're looking for that tone quest you're on that tone quest and you want to look for some some sweet amps i would i would check them out if you're looking for some synergy yeah you want to synergize your life got all the synergy you need right here you know there's only one way to do it you just gotta <laughs> synergize you know you can't go forward without going backwards <laughs> nailed it all right on that note we're gonna close it out if you are still listening thank you so much please subscribe here for more podcasts like this check out craig's video with charlie clauser them just kicking back drinking a couple beers together hanging out uh and, we didn't, um, no we, didn't, we actually didn't drink any beers but maybe next time uh, non-alcoholic water <laughs> um oh that sounds nasty <laughs> All right, uh, Craig, catch you soon, my friend. Catch you on the flip. Flip the script. Peace. It's all about that awkward ending. I'm all about it. (laughs) No one makes it to the end. It's fine. (laughs)